Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And man, uh, I may let this guy do a lot of the flying today. My co-pilot, uh, been wanting to have him on for, I don't know, eons, at least a couple of years. I don't know if an eon's a, a couple of years or not. I, like him, went to Ohio State, didn't get that uh, training. But uh, Bobby Carpenter, welcome to the Tim May Show, finally. Oh, thanks for having me on, Tim. Should be fun one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know, you know, you're my co-pilot for this week. I know you're used to being, is it the co-pilot or pilot 1A, 1B when you're on with Brandon Beamer? You know what I mean? In the uh, in the morning, on 97.1, the fan in Columbus. Well, I'm the backseat, man. I'm, I'm taking naps, sitting in the bucket, just hanging out. The Rio. You're the radar, radar intercept officer. I got exactly. you. Exactly. Well, you can be my Rio, man. I'll fly with you. Uh, that's from Top Gun, ladies and gentlemen. I think oh, you're yeah. original. Up there, we got to push it. That's our job. The greatest line ever in a movie. Um, let's get to you, Bobby. I wanted to have you on for a bunch of reasons. Obviously, you do. You have a lot of you have a lot of irons in the fire, and not just at ninety seven point one the fan, but you do serious XM radio, a college football show, a co just basically a, a general college college show on there uh, on some occasions. But uh, you know, we've been dealing with a lot of. Uh, a lot of up, I don't know if upheaval is the right word, but a lot of strange things in the last couple of years. But just when you think the Big Ten has got everything straightened out, that it's uh, it's safe to go outside anymore. You know, you read Pete Thamel's uh, story uh, this past week about the financing situation vis-a-vis uh, -vis the network uh, deal that uh, Kevin Warren uh, negotiated on his way out the door to become the president of the Chicago Bears. Kevin Warren, the former now commissioner, of the Big Ten, and uh, you find out the Big Ten might be owing forty million dollars to Fox for the for the COVID year when they didn't produce uh, the, the 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 amount of inventory that Fox uh, needed uh, for his college football season. It's I mean just little bitty surprises all through that, right? And about how Fox and Big Ten Network actually are own the rights to Big Ten football games, and that other networks really, in the final analysis have to negotiate with them and just all these little things just kind of popped up out of nowhere, including NBC being awarded the, the big 10 championship game for 2026. And in fact, Kevin Warren, uh, based on the structure, didn't really have the right. He could recommend that, but he didn't have the right to award it. And I don't know, where are we in all this? Make some sense of it for me. So, you know, it's a long story when you go back to it. I mean, the big 10, has a very rich TV deal, and that's good, but it goes all the way back to Jim Delaney, the, the previous commissioner prior to Kevin Warren, who everyone loved. Right. They did a great job, negotiated this great TV deal. And, yeah, it's well, it's been very financially fruitful, partnering with Fox. They wanted to get into the college football game, and it's taken them, you know, really 10 years to get a, a nice foothold that they have now. But the reality is, I mean, it's a bad, it's a bad deal from the right standpoint. Anything that is produced – as a home game on a Big Ten campus, regardless of sport, is owned by Big Ten Network, which is primarily owned by Fox. Yeah. So the Big Ten doesn't have any rights to their stuff, essentially. Like they can't, <laughs> they can independently sell stuff off and negotiate and do other things, but that all has to be, Fox has to be at the bargaining table for that and to approve it all because they don't own their own material and their own content. And so anytime you're going to relinquish your rights, I've never been a fan of that because you have, no idea what those rights will be worth at some point in the future. Then all of a sudden, you introduce Kevin Warren, who completely botched the COVID situation. Believe me, it was not an easy one, but there were other people that handled it much, much better. He did a terrible job. 
Um, you know, people may give him credit for USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. I don't think he had a lot to do with that. I think that was nope. mostly driven by Gene Smith and some of the other ADs, making sure that that was going to happen. And so his really his crowning achievement was supposed to be this this uh, media deal. There was a three pronged attack with Fox, with CBS, with NBC, a professional model. He came from the NFL game. Yep. And there was going to be three windows. Number one, so we're talking about the night games that NBC si- signed up for. And you talk about the you know billion plus dollars that they put in the pot for it. Anybody that thought they weren't going to have November night games, I, I put some of that on the ADs. The fact that, you know, the, in presidents where you were selling off a night slot and you thought NBC would pay all that money to have what? Inventory up to November. And then yeah. what was going to happen at that point? They're going to air, you know, reruns of uh, MASH and, you know, I mean, pick your, pick your or, like or, 80s. Or, or Northwestern Indiana. You know what I mean? I mean, well, yeah, they're going to want primetime stuff. And this will be easier once USC and UCLA come in because they're yeah. playing in a night window is going to be more palpable. And it's obviously the weather concerns won't be as big of a deal, but that's still going to have four or five games and it can't be all them, which leads me to they're probably going to have to have forced expansion due to this. And Kevin Warren was a, a proponent of trying, trying to bring on Washington and Oregon. But part of that is, I think he just wanted a bigger conference. Washington and Oregon aren't going to move the TV dollars more to where the average dollar per school is uh, is going up. Right. It will come down because they're not going to be bigger than that middle tier because they're not bringing the value that a USC or UCLA are going to bring. So you've got that issue, obviously. Then Kevin Warren, I mean, for a guy that's an attorney and especially as uh, supposed to be as well accomplished as he is, for his either A, inability to understand that he didn't have the rights to be able to give out or B his ignorance and thinking he could just do it and figure it out later. Or yeah. maybe he was already out the door and not understanding the contract. Like that's ridiculous. And then I, I also say Fox, here's another part of it. Either a whoever was involved in the negotiations wasn't paying attention or didn't understand exactly what was happening, which I tend to believe isn't the case. What I believe more of is that Kevin Warren sidebarred NBC and said, hey, we'll throw this in. If you can get us to this number, we'll give you one of the Big Ten championship games. Even though, A, he either didn't know or, B, he didn't care that he didn't have the authority to do that. And so people ask, like, why does that matter? It just makes your conference look ridiculous, number one. Number two, you have Ohio State playing a night game November 11th, which I don't think is a big deal. A lot of people don't like it. People in the media don't like to be up late working on it. Talk about <laughs> fans being cold. Hell, I mean, they, they play games in Green Bay outside in, the, in January. I know. And on top of that, December 19th, 2024 is a Friday night, and it is the quarterfinal first round of the college football playoff on the expansion to 12 teams. Well, there's a decent chance that there will be three Big Ten teams in. I'm guessing there might be one in each tier. So one of those teams will have a bye, one will be on the road, and one will be hosting. Yeah. And no team and no school is going to say, hey, I want to go play in Detroit or I want to go play in Indy. Like, you want to play in your home venue. Your fans want to be a part of it. And so they're going to have to figure out winterizing these stadiums and taking care of it anyway. And so they need to solve that problem. But that's something that should have been done in a more professional manner than the way Kevin Warren did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, here's the I think the legacy, one of the legacies of Kevin Warren was, is going to be that he oftentimes just did things uh, 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 
I don't know where, you know, you don't know where his feedback was coming from. It's almost like he was sitting in his office with the door closed and just kind of went off on his own, you know, and a lot of like it was almost a knee jerk way. They postponed. Well, they, they first they canceled the season. We're going to play in the spring, you know, but we're talking about the COVID thing. But he was almost like doing this was without really a lot of input from, you know, other people in the Big Ten, whether he was reading something online or reacting to something or a player getting uh, myocarditis, you know, I think that, I think that sprung one of those things was, oh, my God, if we have 100 guys get myocarditis, we're in big trouble, you know, from the COVID. And it was a lot of like, I, I guess, making uh, making up his mind based on uh, conjecture offered by sources other than from the big 10 or from people he could pick up the phone and call. And you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was just, well, what an interesting his, way to run a huge, uh, a huge conference though. His inability to read the room. Yes. Is, is brutal. That's, that's he wasn't even in the room. Sometimes you got the idea. That's what know? I'm saying. If you're not going to talk to other people, you'd better <clears throat> be yeah. in tune with what they're thinking and how they, how they view the world. Yeah, And I don't know who he was, what echo chamber he was living in where people were just going to give him whatever he wanted information wise, instead of really talking to people that were stakeholders in the situation with regard to the big 10 footprint and gauging what the, what mattered to them. Yeah. And, and here, here was, here was the definite tip off of that was how Gene Smith reacted and Ohio state reacted when suddenly remember the season was canceled and okay. then, and then finally, I mean, that's when you, Gene Smith, who's always been a go along with the club, vote, you know what I mean? Even if you don't, don't uh, uh, agree with something, you're still part of this club, you know, and if the majority wants to do this, you do that. Uh, that's the way that was his, that's been his approach to the big 10 for a long time, but now you've seen him flex his muscle. And, you know, I pushed that a long time ago with Ohio state is, Flex your muscle because you are, you know, you are the main event, you know, and everything yeah. should go through your ears, you know, uh, any kind of major decisions in regards to the Big Ten. That's not slapping anybody else in the face, but Ohio State is the national name. Uh, Michigan is now back in that in that in that thought work, you know, but uh, Penn State to a certain extent, but Ohio State is the national name with national acclaim. That's won a national championship in the modern era. And uh, so not to go through that, but I want to ask you this, you know, like, like what I what I've made the point of about a night game in November uh, for Ohio State, for example, is how dark it how dark it gets so quickly and how everything has to be artificial lighting, not just on the football field, but throughout parking lots and places where people are walking and stuff. And it is a little bit of a, it is a logistical challenge anytime Ohio State hosts a game uh late in the year or any kind of late in the year where it's dark and there are all kinds of things that go into it not just the football game and not just the weather and i understand the reluctance of wanting to do that and and basically because you know you still want that live audience you still want a hundred thousand people there buying overpriced hot dogs overpriced water overpriced beer overpriced uh i guess in this case hot chocolate <laughs> you know and that that's part of the deal right it is um you want to have them there part of it is too if you're going to make night games at any point in time, to me, <clears throat> they need to warrant being a night game. In yeah. Michigan State, I mean, they're over under. You can look at a couple different sports books for win total this year is yeah. three and a half, four and a half. I told you I love night games, but I don't need to wait around all day to watch a beating. I can get that done at noon and we can move on. So 
I hope Michigan State's better. Heck, the year they went 11 and two it was 49 nothing at halftime, and it could have been 100. So, yeah, you know, the reality is, too, for the night games, with Fox having the first tier rights, I don't know if you're going to have a big time night game in Ohio Stadium anymore. Penn State's never going to be a night game. Michigan State is never going to be a night game. And that and that should never move. Yeah. But like your big non-conference game that's at home, that's not going to be a night game. And so really, like you're going to be relying on the fact that maybe Nebraska is really good one year. Wisconsin's really good, you know, maybe in Iowa. But it's going to be hard because I don't know exactly how the rules break out, but you're going to need another big game that weekend and to make sure that Fox has already gobbled up their four allotments of Ohio State or whatever it can be at home to make sure that you can get that NBC night game at some point or else we're going to just be reserved to watching, you know, Bowling Green at night and Indiana at night or Rutgers at night and stuff that we – Tim, nobody needs to wait around to see that to shut it off at 10 and 10 15. Yeah. The Toledo game last year. And, you know, and the, the whole point is the Big Ten Network wants to feature Ohio State any chance it can get, you know, in a prime time because just having Ohio State on the marquee, you know, it's like in Vegas when you used to ride down and see the marquees, just having Ohio State on the marquee is going to bring in eyeballs, you know, on television. But like you said, you, you would appreciate if those games were really meaningful that uh, mattered. And, uh, you know, way back in the day, you know, the Michigan State game was a hell of a game, you know, <laughs> but yeah. it hasn't been that way. Uh, well, let's move on. You're, you're exactly right about that. Let's move on. Just I want to touch on a couple of things. There's a million things we could talk about. But I wanted to get into this because, you know, obviously Herb Street got into this a couple of weeks ago. And I wanted to get your take not on what he said, but uh, this idea that Ryan Day uh, could be in any kind of jeopardy uh, this season based on the way things go, based on the way things go in the game. Obviously, you want to win the game. You don't want to lose three the games in a row. But I wanted to get your take because I've never had you on here. What kind of job has Ryan Day done in his uh, – in his first four years, now heading into his fifth year as the head coach, just in a general sense, that's a wide open question, but in a general sense, do you like the direction of the program, the way things are going, recruiting, you know, it's a, it's a, a multifaceted uh, job description, but how would you just, how would you rate what he has done up to this point? I think Ryan's done a fantastic job. I mean, I'd probably give him an A minus simply due to the fact that you've lost the game the last two years. I would wish, I mean, outside of winning the national championship for the sake of winning it, I wish Ohio State would have beaten Georgia and won it just for the sake of the conversation to see how it would have changed this year. Yes, you've lost to Michigan twice, but then you also won the national championship and trying to juxtapose that, Tim, and like have yeah. that Venn diagram on the crossover. I'm upset about this, but I'm really happy about this. And where do I fall in the middle about on my happiness meter? Yeah. I'd rather beat Michigan and lost to Georgia or, you know, lost to Michigan and then ultimately beat Georgia and won a national championship. So I, I would have loved to have seen that just to watch like the bicameral mind of the, of the fan of trying to understand this cognitive dissonance of this needs to happen. So that, cause it really would have been the first time in the history where you could have lost to Michigan and won a national championship, which we're going to see that happen. Yes. Essentially more into the future. And you may play Michigan in the last game of the season. You may play them in the big 10 championship when they go divisionalist. Heck you could play them a third time at some point in the tournament afterwards. So understanding how that rival, the rivalry is going to work and your emotional connection to it is going to change a little bit. Um, I would argue that Ryan has handled 
the had to deal with the five most difficult years in college football history. And that goes for all college coaches over the last five years yep. of COVID. And then the ineptitude of his commissioner of trying to deal with COVID. Um, then you start talking about the transfer portal and NIL and just everything that has gone on with that. And the reality is that we weren't really all that prepared and set up for it at the beginning. And Ryan had to take a lot of that on his shoulders. And I don't know if there's another coach that uh, off my top of my head, as I watched him handle it, like Ryan's understanding of the business side of things, setting up a structure to be able to deal with that, which at most other universities that you're competing with the Bama's, the Clemson's, the Georgia's Texas, like there are people that are doing that. Ryan had to take the lead and assign people and put people in those silos and, you know, being a part of some of those conversations. Like I, I was incredibly impressed with how his team and how he handled that and building it out. He's recruiting at an incredibly high level. Um, you know, the, their the player development is incredibly high. He hasn't lost a game that he should have won during his tenure, which that was what we lamented with Urban, where the Purdue's and the Iowa's and games where you were better. That yeah. Northwestern game last year could have been that game. And yeah. eventually, at some point, it's not what you got. It's not cover the number. It's just win. Yes. You're going to have those. Georgia has them. Bama has them. Clemson has them. You'd rather apologize for a tough win than trying to explain a loss and how it happened. And so Ryan does a great job of in-game coaching, recalibrating expectations to where, hey, there's a 50-mile-an-hour wind. We're not going to be able to throw the ball. We may have to find a way to win this son of a gun, 21-10 or 20-17-13, but it's still a win, and yeah. it's just one off. If we play like this three weeks in a row, then okay. But yeah. – you know, he took over Urban Staff. He's made it now his own. Um, yeah, I want to beat Michigan as bad as anybody. But I also know, like, he's recruiting really high-quality human beings. And he's recruiting really good football players. They've got a, the culture over there is very strong, um, you know, with the guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm just – I'm very biased to it because being around it, like, I never played for Ryan, but I've watched the job he's done. I've seen a lot of coaches. Yeah. And the argument, people want to move on. I'm like, move on to who? Yes. Like, that's, that's the next thing. Like, okay, I mean, there's a lot of coaches who have coached at Ohio State. You know, you, you look at Mel Tucker. Yeah, he had a good year at, at Michigan State. But I, I don't know with where their program's at now. If that's, that's the direction you would want to go. I mean, everyone loves Luke Fickle, but he's at Wisconsin. And maybe he would come back. I, I think that he would, but – is there a guarantee that he's going to do a better job than Ryan? I mean, you look at the games that he's lost. I mean, and it's it's so tight on the margin. You've got a guy that's about as good as anyone I could think of. Yep. He likes it here. He's a dynamic recruiter, and he does everything the right way, and he's a really likable person. Like, on yeah. top, he's just a good dude. Like, he's got young kids. He's in the community, and I, I hope that people just appreciate how tough that is to find. I mean, Ohio State has hit on every coaching hire since Woody Hayes. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. And I'm going to tell you this, Tim. Yeah. I don't want to keep swinging the bat when you don't have to. Yeah. When you get on base, we don't need to walk back and say, give me another pitch and have a chance for a strikeout. You know, every one of the coaches that has coached here since Woody is or will be in the College Football Hall of Fame, and I am including Ryan Day in that with what he has done thus far and where this program is going. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty well stocked for the next couple of years, no matter if they never get another player. You know what I mean, for example? Yeah. Well, with the transfer portal, you never know, right? Uh, but uh, uh, but no, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, the, the thing about Ryan more than anything, and this is 
yeah, this is a little bit selfish. Uh, he's approachable. I mean, yeah. by the by the average human being, he's approachable. And uh, and then all this other stuff, you know, he's a brilliant. He's got a brilliant offensive football mind. Anybody can see that. Uh, obviously, they can recruit. Do they get every big time name they go after? No, because they're competing with the the elite of the elite in college football now for football players. You're not going to sway every out-of-state guy you go after uh, because he's also being swayed by other guys, you know. So you have to – fans have to come to accept that you're not going to get every every blue-chip guy you set your eye on. And here's the other thing uh, that's interesting, Bobby, and you touched on it. I've been telling people this. In a couple – in maybe a decade, maybe even not even that long, Michigan is not going to become just another game but it's going to become just another really tough challenge in the middle, almost the middle of your season with a 12-team playoff showing up. I mean, there's a chance that you could play Big Ten championship game and then three, maybe even, heck, who knows, four uh, college playoff games uh, after you play Michigan, you know? And really, it's kind of like the NFL, which I I really hate this model, but, you know, it is what it is now. Uh, it's kind of like the NFL. Get in the playoffs, man. Get to the playoffs and then get your run going. And it just so happens Michigan right now is the last game of the regular season. It dictates whether you're, you pretty much get into the Big Ten championship game, but its importance on making or breaking your season is going to be – has already been chipped away, and that's going to be chopped away big time. Do you agree with that? Well, it, it won't once they go divisionless. I mean, this year, if that would have been the case, you just would have played them the next week, which yeah. I'm not a fan of. I'm not either. Like, And I believe that there will always be something special about that game. And it'll as long as there are players who played in it, you know, prior, like, and they understand the competitiveness and the rivalry and everything that goes into it, it will always have significance from just a standpoint of the win or the loss, 1-0 and or 0-1. But as far as in the grand scheme of what it means, which is how it got to that point, that's how rivalries right. become rivalries. It's it, There's a barrier that only one person's getting over. Right. And that's where that hatred and the proximity and the battle for recruiting, all those things, they kind of stem off that and are spawned from that um, with it. So that part will be diminished a little bit, but the, the, the core tenant of what the game is, like that – to me, it was never going to change. And, you know, the, the gold pants and all those things. And you know, I, I had uh, Kyle, uh, my son had his 10th birthday the other day. And I mean, this is, yeah, man. this is a testament to like the type of guys we recruit. And you talk about losing some recruits. Yeah. I don't want them all, Tim. And I yeah. know that like it, it, everybody thinks I want all these guys. I don't want the bad dudes. I don't want bad dudes at our program, no matter how good a football player. I want tough guys. I want dudes that have an edge and just cause you've gotten in trouble doesn't mean that you're a bad person, but I want high quality human beings that, that are fallible and will make mistakes, but they're good people. And, you know, I've had my their kids' birthdays and being around them, you know, the, the program has afforded me to get to know these guys and, you know, without any, and I tell people this is, and now you could actually pay them and it would yeah. be okay. Yeah. But my, my oldest son for his eighth birthday, uh, Billy Price, Sam Hubbard, Denzel Ward and Damon Arnett. And I know Damon Arnett's gotten in some trouble afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. He he is the ultimate chameleon to me. I mean, he is a, a product of his environment. You put Damon with good people, he's a great dude. You put him in a bad situation, he'll become like those people that are around him. It's yeah. 
it's a good and bad quality. Um, but they they all came to my son's party. Two years later, I got Tuff Borland and J.K. Dobbins. They show up. You know, this weekend you got Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison, and that's crazy. My wife, my wife was amazed. And uh, Jesse Klein, who played Ohio State, his son was you know my son's age. He was there, and he's like, it was amazing. Just not the fact that they just showed up and came, but like how gracious they were while they were doing it. I mean, this is top five pick in the NFL draft and most likely the starting quarterback next year, Ohio state and Kyle's girlfriend came with him. She was in town like, and he's spending a half hour doing this when she's coming <laughs> from out of town Memorial yeah. day weekend. And she had a charm on and Cullen goes, I saw her gold pants. I'm like, I don't think she has gold pants. Cause I don't think Kyle's won gold pants. Yet, right. I'm like, right. And so that's when you think about that in, in reference to the game, like I have three pairs of gold pants, man. My mom has two of them. My other ones sit in my safe. My wife can wear them when she wants. But like understanding what that means and the guys and how important they are to them, and now haven't not having gotten them for uh, three seasons due to the COVID yeah. year and two, like that's big. And I know guys do not want to leave without having at least one pair of those. And you were here in the '90s with Coop and everything, and yeah. great teams not getting them, like. It matters. It matters. And I don't think things really start, you realize how much they matter until sometimes they're stripped away. Yeah. Gold prices actually went down during that era, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a glut on the market. Now it's like, yeah, no, hey, I wasn't, you know, everybody, I mean, Texas, Oklahoma has always been played in the middle of the year. You know what I mean? I mean, no. you know, uh, right on down the line. I mean, I grew up, you know, going to Auburn, Alabama games. I, I went I went to four, uh, excuse me, three Texas, Oklahoma games. I understand you know, rivalries and stuff. But the idea that uh, I guess what I was getting to there is the importance of the rivalry will always be there, in my opinion. But the idea that it can make or break a coach's career, whether you should keep your coach or not, I think is being diminished by the fact that there are bigger things coming perhaps down the road, even after that game, which wasn't the case, like you said, in the hundred in the 10-year war. The 10-year war decided the Big Ten Championship – and uh, even though neither team won a national championship, uh, well, I guess they did in 68, but that wasn't a 10-year war because Bo came in 69. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. uh, it's the importance of it will make or break the final outcome of your season is being diminished, which I think will diminish it in some people watching the game from afar. And But my point is just, I mean, John Cooper didn't get fired because of the Michigan game. He went 2-10-1 against Michigan not two, three, and one and out the door, you know? And uh, I think it kind of started kind of like in that era in that regard. But but uh, but I see exactly what you're talking about. You got to have those. That's what makes college football special, Bobby. That's what I wanted to get to uh, by setting you up there. Uh, are we going to, with the expanded playoff and stuff and the the changing of the uh, the conferences, and, you know, the Big Ten is going to have 20 teams eventually. So is the SEC. I truly believe that. Uh and I think two will come. My, my crystal ball is Notre Dame and North Carolina and Washington, yeah. Oregon, or Stanford, California. Stanford, Cal really makes a lot more sense logistically from a travel standpoint. But nobody, here's the thing, though, Tim. Nobody cares about football in the Bay. Exactly. We already have, yeah. a hard, we have a hard enough time filling up the Coliseum in the Rose Bowl Yeah. You know, with Ohio yeah. State fans when you go out there. Yeah, exactly. I don't forget, man, in the – you, you didn't play in one of these games, but Ohio State played out there in 2000 and whatever it was, eight, I can't remember the year, but tickets for that game were $75 for just a regular ticket. And the next week they were playing a conference game, USC was, 
was playing a conference game, I think against Washington State or or Oregon State, and the tickets were $45. You know what I mean? Ohio sure. State fans have been taken through the nose forever. Uh, but I digress. But uh, but I guess what I'm getting to here is uh, let's just jump to this question. Who do you – what is your crystal ball saying about a Big Ten in five, seven years from now? Who are going to be the four teams that are going to be joining, if, in fact, there are four? I know that Stanford, as far as total sports and academics, would make a lot of sense. Like, the problem is Cal doesn't even have – like, their other right. sports aren't great. Like, Stanford has elite other sports, and football can be good, and it has been in the last 10 to 15 years. They've had really good teams. Yeah. Um but Oregon and Washington and Utah are the only places that people care and go to the games. And that's what yeah. the SEC and big 10, like it matters. People will show up and go, especially the premier schools. And so I would say some combination out there of three, four, I don't know what that looks like. Notre Dame at some point, they have to join a conference. It, it just, there'll be too much, too much working against them not to, um, and then I think you said it, North Carolina, I think, is the gem, too, because their football, their basketball, recruiting, and the academic, and total sports. And as much as we want to dismiss this, and I talked to Jacob Hester, and they always laugh at it, Yeah, the academic piece is real. Like, that matters. And North Carolina is a very prestigious school academically. Yeah. And so I know that that would, a lot of people would love to have that involvement with the Big Ten and what their research and all of those other things mean as well. Like, then that's the problem with Florida state. They're not really the academic school that everybody wants, but that would give you a, a recruiting foothold in Florida, which I know people would ultimately love. Like a Miami would almost make more sense from an academic standpoint and you know, what they could potentially provide. But you know, I could see some combination of those two, two of those schools, maybe a couple out West, you throw Notre Dame, maybe it's 22 teams. I don't know how it yeah. ultimately looks, but those are the ones academically, total sports, football, that, that I would think would make sense. And that's under this current model, Tim, that we're operating. Who knows? In five years, it, we may be operating under some other assumption that the playoff football is separate from all the other entities at the university. I, I don't know how it could potentially work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy, man. I, you know, I'm 69, so I'm not going to be dealing with this like you are for the next uh, 20, 30 years of your career. Uh, uh, but but it's, it is crazy what could come. And, you know, I, I think the dam's going to bust here in a year to three years where the ACC is going to get drained out of its major, <laughs> you know, kind of it's going to look like Lake Mead uh, and the Pac-12, which is now the Pac-10, is going to look the same, going to have the same thing happen to them. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I can see an SEC that would add Clemson. This is, this, this would in my head, what I would see with Clemson, Georgia tech, which used to be in the SEC when I was growing up way back when, uh, you know, in Florida state and, and I threw Virginia tech into that mix. Cause like Virginia tech kind of fits, you know, that, that scenario. And what are you going to be left with? You know, you're going to be left with teams that don't have basically big time football programs and don't seem to have a desire except on paper to have big time football programs. Yeah. Same thing with the PAC 12. Hey, let's get to a uh, couple other things. And I'll let you go. Cause I appreciate you doing this on a, uh, a Memorial day weekend. Matter of fact, I'm over in Indianapolis. We're taping this ahead of time. I'm going to be uh, covering my 39th Indianapolis 500, which boy, the years go by, especially fast, especially when you're covering auto racing, <laughs> but uh, 
Who's your breakout player for Ohio State this year? Who's a guy, you know, you go in there and work out sometimes. Uh, well, I guess every week, every day. But uh, who's a guy that's, that you're just going, wow, you know, th- this guy is somebody nobody's really talking about. And I guess that wouldn't be Carnell Tate because we're all talking about Carnell Tate, you know. But who's a guy that's uh, sitting there in the weeds? We all know about the guy, the guys that visited your son's birthday party, uh, Cal McCord, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mekak Buka, throw those names in there and stuff. But who's a guy that you've really got your eye on, could really – and needs to step out, I guess, more than anything else? Um, you know, there's a couple different ways you could go with this. And right. I'm excluding, like, basically all guys that were regular starters last year who, you know, made a pretty good impact. Because you could talk about it. You know, Jack Sawyer, JT, Tuimaloa, like really blowing up and having great years because I think both those guys are poised to play well. Um, you know, the receivers, like everybody knows them. I think, you know, Jaden Ballard could be really good. I think, you know, he's his consistency has improved dramatically and he has elite high-end talent. Like watching him run on pro day and run routes, everybody's like, who's this guy? Like, yeah. how come we don't know about him? And like some of the NFL scouts like, he accelerates like Randy Moss. Like he has like a, a gear, like you watch Marvin, he's smooth. He can do it all. Yeah. But the way Jaden can accelerate and he's tall and he's been like, he's worked really hard. Like, that's the thing, like his maturity, he started, he's getting there and it's just a process. It takes guys some time. So I like him on the offensive side and it's just tough in a crowded receiver room. I mean, but I know this Brian will play guys. If you deserve to play, you will get on the field and you will get opportunities. And having a guy that can take the top off the defense, but also he wants to make him be able to do everything and round him out. So I think he could be the offensive guy that you kind of look at there on defensively. There's a ton of guys who played a lot, but I think we'll, you know, have a chance to emerge. One dude who played some last year. And I know that everybody's, it was, you know, recruiting, we're bringing in guys here, these positions and whatever. Um, But I really like Cam Martinez. And the more I've watched him play, I know we brought in Jihad Carter and, you know, he think he's going to be good, Um, but he's got time left as well. Yeah. He's a one and done guy, but you know, Cam Martinez, him watching him learn behind Tanner McAllister a little bit last year, he's worked really hard. And, and one of the things like he never played really defensive back before getting to Ohio state. Correct. It acts like you just drop a guy in because he's a great athlete. Well, yeah, in theory, but there's a nuance to playing a position, especially on the other side of the ball. And I've watched him make some plays and like get his hey, he's an athlete, man. He's great. Yeah. And he started to understand the feel, the spatial awareness, and like it's becoming more instinctual and natural for him. And so watching him do that in spring, like he had a couple of really nice picks. And I told him, like, man, for this defense to be what it can be, you need to be really good. Yeah. And you play the position, we called it the star when I was there. And I never forget, I asked Will Allen <clears throat> one time why they called it the star. And he goes, because that's the guy that makes all the plays. <laughs> it's like, yep. You're the star of the defense. And yep. that he needs to be that. And he's physical. He can get involved in the run game some. He's not the biggest dude, but he's a willing tackler. And I also think what happened against Michigan last year, like that can drive, that, that drives a guy. Yeah. And, uh, I've just been really happy you know, with him. I'm like, you always need to remember that, but don't dwell on it. Understand that it happened. Understand why it happened. And don't let it happen again. But don't don't let that define you as a player. And I don't think that it will. Because I really, I mean, 
I love Cam. I think he's done a great job. So I, he's my defensive guy, and what he's—I think he's just going to have a phenomenal year. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, I've been covering his Ohio State football going into my 40th season now, and I obviously covered you and et cetera. But we saw everybody—you uh, name the first-round draft pick from the from the secondary—I saw all of them get burned <laughs> at one point oh. or another earlier in their career because you got to learn just the different. You know, you're not in high school anymore, so to speak. Uh, but then, like the Kim Martinez thing, for example, on one play he gave up against Michigan, you got to know just instinctively, you're not just playing your position. You got to know where your help is, things like that. You've got to be so in tune uh, with what's going on in the structure of the defense. It's that, that's what really burned Ohio State uh, down the stretch there was uh, not guys necessarily winging it. But, you know, I put I put forth that thing in the story after the, uh, after the loss to Georgia is – you know, you got three safeties on the field, and there was so many times there wasn't one safety deep. You know, you think, you know, I'm, I'm being the smart aleck there, but it's like, you know, wow, you can't just let people run, you know, run through your, uh, your, your, your quote, defense, end quote. That's actually a filter, not a defense. So, uh, I mean, and you're not going to stop every big play because everybody nowadays, you know, Everybody has big plays on offense. You just don't want to give up four or five of them in one game because that kills you, right? Well, it does. And if you go look at it, he got double moved. And yeah, he drove on the first one. And this is a guy hadn't played a whole lot. And I'm like, you got to understand situation, scenario, where they're out on the field, down in distance. And that's part of film study, knowing what they like to do. And that's the area of field where you know maybe you take a shot. And they realized that there was going to be a situation where maybe you didn't have a safety deep. And so, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily, the, you give up the 10 yards and it's third and eight and you move the chains and okay, you line up and you play again. And maybe you just make the tackle. You don't try to drive it and get an, you know, make an interception or whatever it is. So, and that comes to him with experience. Right. And so getting back, the guys like Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, like that's, that is imperative. Like, Josh Proctor coming back, you know, we'll see what he's able to do. And over his maturation, like if this is able to help, but guys who are like fourth and fifth year players, two, three year starters, like that, that game experience. I look at my senior year, what I knew versus starting as a sophomore. And then I look after playing the NFL seven years and watching it. I like to sit there and I'll talk to guys on the sideline during practice. It's like, what do you see in here? And like, well, they're going to run these three routes and say, like, why? Well, because that's what, that's the only things you can do. And you start to learn like that stuff as you just are around the game. And so guys that are experienced, it matters. And so yeah. this is the first time in a while that they've had more of a veteran presence on defense and all of these guys coming back at, at different levels. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the more you play, the more you see, and then the more you see, the more, you know, what to focus on, you know, I mean, just like you just pointed out. And it's not just what you're seeing, it's what your brain has experienced, et cetera. And I think, yeah, I think this defense has a chance to really go, these are the same guys from last year, because most of them are, right? And uh, and by the way, before we, before we, I wanted to ask you about your, you know, your off the field endeavors, off the field, off the microphone endeavors. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, CJ Hicks is a guy I've got my eye on too, because yeah. that guy flashes, man. I mean, he gets to the football, and uh, I'm going to be interested to see how your man James Laurinaitis and uh, and Jim Knowles 
handle trying to get maybe more linebackers into the game when it matters. You know, Cody Simon, I think, has proven himself to a certain extent and don't leave all the burden on just two guys for the most part. But uh, uh, what are you doing off the field, off the, uh, away from the microphone, Bobby? I mean, this is what's always impressed me about you. You, you I don't know why I'm whispering, but you, you understand that anything – and life could be terminated. I mean, I'm just giving you my idea what you're doing, but you're about as diverse a businessman off the field, off the microphone, as you are uh, being heard every day, both on 97.1 The Fan and, and Sirius XM, especially during the football season. You know, I, I think that's a must listen in the afternoons on Sirius XM with you. Don't tell uh, 971 The Fan I said that. But uh, uh, number one, what, what businesses are you in? I know the answer, but I want you to tell people. And number two, why are you driven to be diverse? Yeah, I've gotten involved in a lot of stuff. And, you know, some of it's just been, uh, you know, happenstance, circumstance, you know, situations. Uh, I guess it came back to, you know, my dad gave me some advice when I was deciding on what college I wanted to go to. And you know, I was looking at Northwestern, you know, Notre Dame was in the mix, you know, Stanford. I was trying to look at good academic institutions because, you know, he told me, he's like, the odds of you playing in the NFL are, you know, they're minimal. Like it's no matter where you go. He's like, I got there from Miami, how you can get there from anywhere, but you, you can get hurt. You may not be developed. I mean, maybe you get there, you play for a year. You have no idea what can happen. So, you know, this idea that you go to school to get an education, I know it's a novel concept that it may be lost today, but um, I, I do and this is what gets caught in the NIL. I'm like, I've always told people that just because I think players should have the opportunity to earn and help receive their and maximize their full value, it doesn't mean that I devalue the educational component of where you're going to school. Because I was yeah. able to learn a lot. I went back to Ohio State and got my master's, um, and my MBA uh, there when I got done. And now you know I teach over there now. And I, I guess the thing is, you know, when you play football, like you go all in on that, but you can be fired at any time. And I got fired a couple of different times. So it's like, what are you going to do outside of that? So my dad said, if you if you want to go, you know, where do you want to live when you're done? I'm like, probably central Ohio. I mean, that seems good to me. I mean, it's where I grew up and somewhere around here. He goes, well, playing in Ohio state, if you get a good degree, you work hard in school, you're on the football team and you work to meet people and have build relationships yes. and Ohio playing at Ohio state is going to mean more than having a degree from Notre Dame or Stanford or wherever it is. Cause all that's going to do is open doors and Ohio state will open more of those for you. It's up to you to foster and build those relationships. And so I've been very fortunate to meet some of my business partners. And I, I tell guys this when they bring me into recruiting and I'm talking to them about the business school and I teach there and all these different things, like the doors it's open for me and the relationships to be able to get involved in, you know, some campus real estate stuff, um, you know, the oil and gas stuff in Eastern Ohio, like, you know, getting involved in starting our carpenter uh, uh, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electric, you know, our full professional services stuff that, you know, meeting, you know, a, a neighbor and a friend and, and going through all this that was really started off of, you know, kind of a speaking opportunity, you know, I just, with his company and like all these different things. You know, get, just got involved with Garage Beer, and you know it's a you know a local yeah. company here that you know, they're looking for people to kind of be involved and you want know, to come in and invest and you know help promote it, and all that stuff is is a product of being at Ohio State, and 
just saying, hey, what other opportunities are out there and and trying to look and understand the businesses and how they work and you're just meeting people and having these conversations and you're trying to stay visible and you know be around and you know, I tell people I, I get to very rarely do I get up and not get to do what I want to on a given day. There's things that I have to do that I may not want to do, yeah. but I rarely get up and it's like, man, I'm not doing anything that I want to do. And, but it's all gets to work around usually the fact somehow involvement with football in Ohio state and whether that's the media side of it, whether that's, you know, my HVAC and plumbing and uh, electric company or you know, oil and gas or campus real estate, all of those things usually they come back to the nucleus of Ohio state and Ohio state football and those relationships and how I'm talking and what we're doing. They're all that, that was the Genesis of all of it. And so I've tried to just stay diverse. I've got four kids, Tim, they're really expensive. College yeah. isn't getting any cheaper. Yeah. Maybe they get scholarships. Maybe they're good players. Maybe they're not. I don't know. I mean, it's like everybody wants to just press on their kids. And my dad did a great job mom of making sure we were competitive and worked hard but never, you know, like, hey, you've got to be the best football player or be the best this. Like, just go play and play hard and make make our family proud when we watch you out there by the effort that you put in the field, the type of teammate you are, like all of those things. And everything will usually work out. And I try to remind myself of that on a daily basis because sometimes it feels like you're drowning when you've got four kids from, you know, basically 14 to seven, eighth grade, seventh grade, fourth and first. And it's like, you got a million sports and yeah. you got a million bills coming in. I've got all these commitments and stuff. And I'm like, man, and it's good to talk about this with you, Tim, because it gives me a little bit of time to work through my own process. But I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've got to live a, a unbelievably, uh, unbelievable life. Yeah. And a lot of that's a product from Ohio state football and being from Lancaster and the people that have supported me and meeting a great wife and all these different things. And it's spawned all these different business opportunities and at getting to meet presidents. And I've gotten to fly on private jets and then drinking, you know, half warm beer in a, a, a basement without a bathroom and peeing in a floor drain when I'm growing up and still getting a chance to go do that, you know, like yeah, getting to see the whole span of everything that goes on is, is pretty special. Don't you, don't you, when you pee in a floor drain, don't you, don't you, aren't you thinking to yourself, Hey, how come nobody ever thought of this before? When in fact, Millions have done it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, but your point is this is, I mean, my point I draw from that is when you meet somebody, when you're a Ohio State football player and you stick your hand out, make sure your hand is ready to shake the man's hand, not palms up. What can you give me? You know, and uh, that's a lesson that everybody should learn. But uh, in this, in this age of transfer portal, but NIL, man, I hope it, you know, we, you're, you know what's going on around there. You're seeing it around the nation. I mean, you talk about the national, you talk about the national scene all the time and stuff. And it's the wild, wild west. And whether the federal government ever passes something, now I know there's things in the mill now, but whether it ever gets passed with everything else going on in the world, we'll see. But uh, wow, this is this is a crazy time, isn't it? Uh, but just think about you guys, you and Schlegel and AJ Hawk, the three musketeers. What y'all? the commercials y'all could have done way back when, right? Oh yeah. You know, it's, it was good. We got to play golf the other day, last Friday at the alumni yeah. outing. And it was great. Um, don't expect the government to solve this problem because they, right. they're not solving it. It's not getting done. 
it's going to have to be internal. It's going to take some intestinal fortitude from the ADs and commissioners who are the, the movers and shakers and the influencers. And that's the only way that this will get done. And you've got to figure out a way to save the sport and really not just save it, but continue to grow it. The one that we all love and to keep it uh, some, some, some semblance of what we've always known it to be. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's Bobby Carpenter finally on the Tim May show. And I appreciate you coming on during a uh, uh, Memorial day weekend. I hope you have a, hope you have a great Memorial. I hope you had a great Memorial day by the time this comes out, but uh, Bobby, you know, I listen to you all the time and I appreciate you, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks Tim. And uh, Hey, listen, commemorate those who have uh, given their lives in the service of this country. Memorial day is an awesome weekend, but uh, if you know somebody that's serving out there, make sure you thank them. Yeah, absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. Until next week for the Tim May Show, we'll see you then.